Amen, amen. All right. You can have a seat. I love that song. Um, it's almost like Brian knew what I was going to be preaching on uh, this today. You know, he and Lauren always, um, they kind of share the duties of choosing the songs. And there are some weeks they try to match it up with what we're talking about. It's like, all right, what are you preaching on? Sexual immorality. I don't got any songs for that, Jamie. So I'm like, yeah, just pick whatever you want. Um, so, but this one was a little easier, easier for him uh, as we, st- we embark on this. And, and it really just sticking to the B. And that is what we just sang about, and that is to believe. Um, you know what I really I think would picture this really great? I wish I had like a giant rock or something. Let me see what I got in this mess of an office. Let's see. Let's see. Okay, you never know. You never know. Oh, look. Okay, good. I'm not as young as I once was. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, here we go. It's all right. I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're good. It still is a little heavy, though. <laughs> but it's perfect for the image, okay? When, when I looked um, uh, uh, at, at this word believe, I wanted to just look at that word in the Old and New Testament. Kind of what are the nuances of the Hebrew, the Greek, you know, all that cool stuff. And the Hebrew, um, uh, it, it, it had like some nuances to it you'd expect. You know, like just, you know, assurance or, you know, uh, confirm. But there was one thing that stood out to me, and that was doorpost. I was like, what? In the Hebrew word, it could be used as like a doorpost. And it makes sense. I don't know if you've ever like been in a storm, like a tornado warning or whatever, and they say, if you don't have a basement, where do you go, right? Underneath like a door frame, because that's the strongest part. But it's kind of like this rock, right, in uh, a, a, an ocean, I've told you before, our family goes to the Cape the last 10 or 11 years or whatever it's been, the same place. And every time we get there, the same rocks are there in the same spot. And they go through, I think about all the storms, including probably uh, all the flooding and all this, probably this last week, right? Storms and mess and hurricanes and all that stuff. And I'll go back this summer and they'll still be there, right? And that is what Believe really means. You see, it is to, even when it feels like the storms of life, the criticism, the pain, the sorrows, when you feel like you're drowning, you stay right here. In the New Testament, it means to cling to. Right? It's not just something we say. It's something we believe even in the hardest times. And sometimes the hardest times are the good times to believe. Because the, the culture whispers, come over here, you don't need to believe in God. And when things are going really well, Jamie, what do you need God for? You're doing great. Right? Or if things are going really bad, does God even love you? All those things. The culture has the answers. And yet to believe is like a doorpost or a rock in the ocean. I will believe no matter what. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you, um, this is your word. This is your truth. I pray you would use me just as a vessel if I stand in the way, Lord, get me out of the way so that your, your people might hear from you. I thank you that we've already heard from you in prayer and worship and praise and in baptisms. But Lord, as we spend this time, you know what's in our hearts. You know what troubles us. You know what's in our way. Lord, you know what shame is cap- trying to capture us, what the enemy is trying to throw at us, and yet we seek to believe Help us. Help us. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Um, 
So this uh, whole thing, these four weeks, there will be four, even though you only see three, uh, it is, is came out, and if you saw the promo video we showed last weekend, which, you know, we only had one service last weekend because of snow, you may not have seen it, it came out of my sabbatical this, this past summer, where um, as I was looking through scriptures, what are those, old or new, whatever, and I was writing in my journal, I kept writing over and over again, it seemed like, it comes down to believe, obey, and worship. We can sometimes complicate things. I gotta do this, I gotta do that program, I gotta do that, right? My friend does this, I gotta do that. And, and it really comes like that's why I brought our, our tea kettle from home, right? Ever boil something and forget it's on there? It boils down to the very basic stuff, whatever's in there. And everything else goes away. And 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 so it doesn't mean the other stuff's not important. But if you really want to know where it all begins, it can't, your, your life after God has to start with belief. It's tied into obey so much that I'm doing my very best not to preach what we're talking about next week. So hold me to it, all right? We, 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 uh, as I looked at this, there were so many places I could have gone, but, you know, we can't be here all, all weekend. So uh, I, I, want, I was like, Lord, show me some spots in the scripture where we can learn what believe means from you, from uh, people in, in the Bible. And, and, and the first place that he brought me is one, even if you have almost no church background, I'll bet you've heard of this. It's found in, our, in, in the book of the Bible we call First Samuel. It's right before Second Samuel. Wow, it's amazing. And, and, and it's um, in chapter 17, and it's when David came against <laughs> Goliath, right? Yes, so, what, so, so I'm not going to read you through that whole scripture. I, I, I'll bring you up to speed on what was going on. Just to remind you, or if you've never heard this story, it's amazing, right? And so um, uh, the, Goliath was a Philistine. The Philistine were the major enemies at this time with Israel. Israel was under their first king. Big, handsome guy, but kind of crazy. His name was Saul. His armies of Israel were on one hill. The Philistine armies are on the other hill, and then there's like this valley in between where they could come together and fight. And yet, in their culture, sometimes you could actually pick a champion from your army to challenge a champion from the other. They will, they will duel, and whoever wins, that army wins. It saves a lot of lives that way. So Goliath is huge, and he's full of armor. And he's just, every day, day after day, comes out into that valley, looks up at the Israelite army, at Saul, and he mocks them. He challenges them, and he mocks God. Over and over. And there, the, the, Saul basically said, if anyone wants to do it, I'll literally give you my daughter in marriage. And nobody wanted to do it. He was too fierce. He was too scary. But then there's a shepherd. His name's David. His father sent him the, to the, the, this place because his brothers were in the army. And he came with food from his dad. And as he's, as he's coming, he's mixing up. He sees his brothers. He sees other people. He's talking to them, right? All of a sudden, Goliath comes out. And David, for probably the first time in his life, hears someone dare mock God. David knew the word. He knew the law. And you know what it said? If someone dares mock the Lord of Israel, they are to be punished by death by stoning. Hmm, interesting. So he knows that. And he's looking around. It's like, what do you got? Is someone going to do something about this? He's mocking God. And they're like, you know, and, and he gets kind of so excited about it, he frustrates his older brother. And, why don't you just go back and mind your own business with a sheep? I can kind of understand it. I mean, David's good at everything. He's a great leader, handsome guy, smart. He's an amazing musician. 
an older brother has to deal with a younger brother that's great at everything, that's got to be hard, right, Dan? It's pretty hard, right? <laughs> that's been a good joke all weekend, and it's even better now that he's here with us. Not at all, not at all. But that, so, so David just says, says, hey, man, and he goes, he goes to Saul, and he tells him, I'll do it. I will do it. And Saul's like, no, 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 this guy's been fighting since he was a kid. Like, you, you, you have no chance. So David has to give him his uh, resume. And he says, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and, the, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Like, that's why David's upset, right? And, and, and he continues, he says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. There's only one thing for us to remember about David. I know sometimes we say, be like David. Well, wait a minute. David would not even um, pass the first round of interviews to be a pastor at this church. Oh, you murdered somebody? Yeah, sorry. You cheated on your wife? Oh, great. No, 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 I'm sorry. Right? So, so when we say be like David, we mean be, you know, you, you have different skills, different abilities, and hopefully you've lived a better life, to be honest. But be like David in believing God, because that's what he does. His whole point to Saul is that the Lord delivered me. I wasn't, hey, man, I took on bears and lions, and I'm the man. I'll take on. That's not what he says. He says, I was delivered by the Lord, and it will happen again. He ain't no bear. Are you kidding me? God's got this. I believe God. That's, so, so he convinces Saul to let him do it. Saul puts him in his own armor, which was ridiculous. It was too big. So David takes that off. He says, no, 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 no. Right? And he goes, he, he's going to go to battle with his staff, which Goliath made fun of and said, that's just a little stick, and a sling shot, and he took five stones. Now, keep in mind, these weren't pebbles from a creek, okay? These were tennis ball-sized stones. These were real weapons that people would use in warfare, right? So Goliath, when he makes fun of David, uh, right, he sees him and he goes, are you kidding me with this guy? This is puny guys that didn't even have armor on. Because like, Goliath is huge and armored to the teeth. He's ready for man-to-man combat. He didn't realize. Kind of like imagine an MMA, MMA fighter who's the best in the world, ready to take on this like, 15-year-old kid from like Mississippi, scrawny kid. And he's like, this kid? Are you serious? Until the kid pulls out a Glock. Suddenly a different fight, isn't it? That's what David had except it was a rock 19. That was Pastor Josh's joke, and I'm sorry you laughed at it, okay? But seriously, he had, it wasn't just like, I can't believe the underdog. He had a stone, right, and he slung it, and he eventually is going to kill him, but we'll get there. In fact, I was um, watching a, a, a clip by, it was like a podcast, and like one pastor was interviewing another, and he was like all dramatic. He's like, hey, story of David and Goliath. I have a nugget for you. And I was like, a nugget? Interesting, right? And, and he goes, oh, tell me, what is it? He goes, do you know he only needed one stone, but he took five? Why? And I'm like, well, I never knew this. Why? How does he know this? He goes, hey, see, if you study your Bible long enough and thorough enough, you find out that, that uh, Goliath had four brothers. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? That is a big stretch. He took five stones because he was wise and smart. What if one of them wanted to glance off his shield? He had four more. 
That's why he did it. And my whole point of that isn't to, you know, because I could get to heaven and maybe that pastor was right. I don't know. But my point is, you don't just go through life like, oh, God will take care of me. Believing God means you have wisdom from God. That you, you learn to strategize the way God would and say, no, I believe God and God's showing me I should bring five stones, not just one. <laughs> and he did, but he only would need one. But first, you have the greatest trash talk you'll ever see. Goliath trash talks him. It's kind of like you ever seen a press conference before a big heavyweight fight, you know? Like, you know, they say all kinds of stuff. Well, Goliath did, right? And then David. <laughs> it was David's turn. And this is what he said. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, Goliath, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. Have you ever heard trash talk like that? Maybe once. Remember when Mike Tyson said he would eat someone's children? That was pretty extreme. By the way, if you had a bet that I would never compare Mike Tyson to David, you lost. All right, you lost that bet. So he trash talks, but, he, but this is the key. This is really why we're here. That all the earth may know what there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. And I love how he uses the word our. He's already a great leader. Even though he could have been like, you wimps to the rest of the army, he includes them. He says, we're going to win this battle because it is the Lord. What he's doing there, right, is again, he is believing God. And he's specifically believing God's character, who he is. That's important. Right? He's not just generally believing in a general sort of God he made up like a fairy tale. He is believing in the God he knows, the same God who was with him on the hillsides fighting off bears and wild beasts, the same God who was with him in his loneliness and whatever else he's been through in his life, and the same God. And what he believes about God is that God is sovereign and that God is holy and that God is all-knowing and that God is all-powerful. All these things about God, including one really fancy word called immutable, it just means that God God never changes. Never. Now, you and I, we need to change. It's a, good, it's a good thing to change. But not God. You see, that's what's beautiful about that is today, you, and, 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 and whatever mess you find yourself in, can believe in God, and he is the exact same God that David believed in. Nothing has changed. So he believes in his character, even when faced with a daunting, horrible crisis. And so can you. You can, Whether it's cancer, or it's grief, or it's you didn't get into your top choice school, or you, you're still single and you don't know why, or you fill in the blank, whatever it is, you cling and believe God because he's all-powerful, all-knowing, unchanging God, same one that David believed in. You see, the win is not that David sunk a stone into Goliath's head. That's not the win. You'd think it would be. It's not. The win is that David believed, even if he had lost that battle, doesn't matter. David won because he didn't stop believing. The win for you isn't that you might get the healing that you want. The win isn't that, you, that, that God gives you that spouse that you've been praying for. 
The win isn't that that wayward child comes home. The win isn't all of these. Those are great blessings, praise God, for them. The win is that you keep believing. Like a rock in the storm, like the doorpost in a tornado, you stay here. I will not wander away. I will believe because I know who God is. And I believe in his character regardless he is who I'll believe in. Who else are you going to believe in? Rick in the cubicle next to you giving you books on pop psychology? Sorry if you're Rick, by the way. I'm not talking about you, I don't think. No, like, like believe God. He's the same God that was with David. And you're no less important to him than David. He's a big enough God to be there for us. And so... Um, I also wanted to bring the same book, but earlier, first chapter of 1 Samuel, there was someone who's the exact opposite in almost every way than David. A woman who is not a queen or a king, not a warrior. She's not anything much that you would write home about. She's just simply a wife, and she doesn't even have the ability to have kids. Her name is Hannah. You may even be named Hannah or Noah Hannah. You know Why? Because through the Jewish tradition, through the church tradition, so many have, have named their kids Hannah because she is one of the godliest women who teaches us how to believe. You see, Hannah was married to uh, a man named Elkanah. And Elkanah loved her, but she couldn't have kids, and he needed to have kids, right? It was so important for his family line, especially in those days. And so he married someone else to give him sons. Man, Hannah just must have felt so, I mean, most people would look at you if you were a woman who couldn't have kids like you were cursed by God. There must be something wrong with you. There must be some deep shame. There must be something. And, of course, the other wife, ha, ha, tease, all that stuff, right? And so Elkanah loves her. It says here in verse 5, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Look at those last few words. Don't, don't skip past them because they're tough, tough words. The Lord had closed her womb. The Lord had closed her womb. Wasn't that a fancy? No, no, no. The Lord had closed her womb. The Lord is the one that has made this condition that's given her so much grief. It's so important because I, I've met a lot of people who believe in the sovereignty of God until tragedy strikes them and suddenly they wonder. Can you believe when you just don't understand? Why? That's what, like, Hannah is, like, the Lord calls, what, what if the Lord gave you cancer? What, what if the Lord didn't, made sure you didn't get that job? What if the Lord made sure you didn't get into that school? What if the Lord made, kept you single? What if the Lord just didn't answer that prayer? Why, right? You're just like Hannah. Just like her. Right? Like, she is, she, I mean, it's easy to be angry with God. It's easy to question God. Can you believe when you're feeling like that? That's the big question. That's a hard question. Elkanah, her, her husband, <laughs> said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Guys, I know you mean well. This is never something to ever say to your wife. 
I'm more than you than 10 targets, honey. No, no, no. But she's deeply, I don't know what she answered. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She was deeply distressed. This isn't, no, no, no. This is two boxes of Kleenex kind of distress. This is snot bubbles. This is like on your face distress. That's what Hannah was. Can't eat, can't like, just can't get it together. You're so broken about it. You don't understand, right? Like this, as, 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 as grief swarms over you like a storm. But what did Hannah do? She wept bitterly. Yes, but what did she do? She prayed. Prayed, which is the language of belief. The more you believe God, the more you'll talk to him. And I'm not talking about prayers like, Dear Lord, keep us safe today and bless his food that I'm really hungry so I'm going to start eating now. Not that kind of prayer. I'm talking, have you ever had this kind of prayer? I know I have. I would state, unless you're a real new believer, if you've never had this kind of prayer, you're not really walking with God because there's a lot of broken things that hurt and you weep and you mourn and you cry out and you don't know what to do. That's the kind of prayer Hannah had. She comes before him and she weeps. She weeps and she prays, right? She prays. Um, what would they would do um, every, uh, every, once a year, the family would go up to where, it wasn't Jerusalem yet, it was a place where God's presence was and the priests were, and they would have a sacrifice and, and uh, a, a big, you know, a, a big uh, meal, and they would party, and they would, they would celebrate. Um, I'm trying to pull my sermon up here again. Not today, Satan. Not today. Um, so, so they would go there. I'm still trying to pull it up. I don't know why I was going to a song every time I press on it. Um, let's try one more time. Yay. Now let me try to find where we were. Okay. I think that's it. We're way, way back. Okay, so Elkanah, deeply distressed. Okay, so they go up. The old priest is there. He's a watcher. A lot of you know this story, right? She's so distraught, so weeping, so upset that she looks to him to be drunk. She's falling all over herself. She's like praying to herself, and it's just like doesn't look right to him. So he accuses her. Woman, you know, if you're going to be drunk, you'll be drunk somewhere else in the presence of God. And so she, she says to him, like, she's like, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Just like David, but in a very different way, she believes God's character. She knows God's all-knowing, all-powerful, that God is holy, that God is just, that God is right. She knows all of that, but as the storms of grief pour over her as she is broken and weeping in her own tears, and she doesn't know what to do, and she can't even eat, as she's in the midst of that, she also believes that God is good. That God 
is gracious and merciful and kind. You've got to believe that. See, yeah, it's one thing to believe he's holy and all-powerful, but when you're in the midst of this kind of storm, when you don't know what to do, you do not stop believing that God is good. He's always been good, and he'll always be good. He never changes. God is love. God is merciful. God is gracious. And she has a son, and his name's Samuel, becomes a great prophet. Great. That's not why I highlight Hannah. I highlight Hannah because the win is that she believed. What if the sun never came? She still wins because she believed. She believes no matter what. I don't see it. I don't need to see it. God, you're good. God, you got this. God, you're going to work this. You're going to do something with this. Because God loves to take big messes and do great things, doesn't he? That's the God we have. That's the God we believe in. Like an anchor in the storm. Even when you're weak and powerless and confused, You don't stop believing today. That's where we'll eventually land. What I'm boiling it down for us is to believe God today. Worry about tomorrow. Can you believe him today? Can you believe him right now? Right now. One last, and it won't be as as long, but I I wanted to bring up, uh, turn the clock back a little bit to a man named Abram. Remember, ever heard of him? Abraham, the father of many sons, many sons he had. Maybe you read, sang that in Sunday school back in the day, right? Well, well, in chapter 12, uh, God actually promises Abraham that you're going to have many descendants. So many descendants, you will not be able to count them. Now, since chapter 12, a lot of things have happened to Abraham. No kid. His wife is old. I'm sure she was still beautiful, but she was old. So when God tells you, if you're 75, which is how old they were, you're going to have a bunch of kids, you're going to be like... First of all, you're going to say, please, no, right? (laughs) But they were like, okay. So we get to chapter 15, and and, and after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. I don't know what he's afraid of. Maybe just any time anyone comes up against the presence of God gets afraid, right? Maybe it was just... Afraid like a lot of us, like, I don't know, God, did I even hear that promise right? Did you really say that? Is this really God? We know, even though he's going to believe today, that later on he's going to actually take another woman to have kids because, well, this this isn't happening with Sarah. And Sarah even went along with it. I mean, to me it was probably the first ever recorded instance of a wife who said, fine. Not really fine. So he's going, it's going to be 25 years even after this that he has to still believe God and believe his promises. But this is uh, what what, what he says, and I, I, I love this. Like he prays what he's got. He says, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you've given me no offspring. And a member of my household will be my heir. Right? You promised this, God. I don't see it. You ever said anything like that to God? I know I have. Like it's a good prayer. God, what are you doing? I, I know you're God, but man, I don't know. Maybe I didn't hear right from you. Maybe I didn't understand quite correctly, God, because I got no kids, and we're not getting any younger. And so the Lord responds, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. 
This man shall not be your heir, Abram. Your very own son shall be your heir. And then he brings him outside and he says, look toward heaven. Number the stars if you're even able to number them, Abram. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Wow. (laughs) Now, you and I know the rest of the story, the descendants and blah, blah, blah. So it's easy to think, oh, how great that was. But here's an old man looking up at the sky going, really? And maybe if it happened that night, but... Every day, every night for 25 more years. His wife's about almost 100 now. Like, okay, God, maybe I had had some bad meat that night or something. I, what are we doing here, right? Yet he, he has this. He's staring at the sky. He's looking at the stars. And this beautiful verse 6, he believed the Lord. He believed him that day. He would struggle and have to believe again. But that day he believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. His faith is where it began. Obedience, next week, always comes out of belief. You won't have obedience without true, earnest, clinging to the rock of belief. But Abram, yes, he believed God's character, but he believed God's promises. God, your truth, you promised it, I believe it. Do we have the same promises as Abram? No. A lot of them are different. But we sure do have a lot. That's why we read the word. I I wrote down a few. Take heart. I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. A psalm says, the Lord makes firm the steps who delight in him. Isn't that a good promise? Come to me. And I will give you rest. Oh, that's a great one. That's a promise. My grace is sufficient for you. Wow. Hope in the Lord, and He will renew your strength. He will answer your prayers. He will care for your needs. He will never leave you. He will free you from sin. He will protect you. He will deliver you. And on and on it goes. Those are my words, those are promises. That you can cling to whatever storm, whatever's going on. I believe God and therefore I believe what he has promised. And I will not waver. I will believe your promises even when I don't see them. Even when I don't understand. Even when I'm not sure what's going on. I will cling. And to believe his promises is to believe God's word. We saw the word came. David knew the word. Hannah knew the word. You can't know God's promises if you do not know his word. His word is what we call the Bible. You don't just read it as an academic textbook. You read it so you can know who God is and what he's promised you, and then you can believe it. His promises equal his word. So what about us? How do we differ from Hannah and David and Abraham and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, or Daniel in the lion's den, or Jeremiah the weeping prophet. How do we differ? You see, they had promises that were a shadowy promise of someone who was to come to ultimately, ultimately save them. That promise has been crystallized, and we know who that is. God's own son, Jesus Christ. And, and there's a lot of you be maybe watching football this weekend. Invariably, you'll see someone with a sign with this verse. It's a great verse, that's why. 
For God so loved, he's love, the world, that's us, that he gave his only son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes, not accept, not intellectually understand, but to believe with all your heart, right, in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Believe. A little bit later, same chapter. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey. Oh, that's interesting. Those two words are linked. But next week, next week. The Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You see, if you want to know, and the real question is, for you, for me, and today, am I believing Jesus? What does that look like? It looks like that whatever's going on, good or bad, in between, whatever's hitting you, whatever storm rages, whatever is causing stress, whatever's causing, that you believe that Jesus is enough. He's enough. His cross is enough. His resurrection is enough. His word is enough. His truth is enough. His power is enough. His healing is enough. His redemption is enough. He is enough. That's what it means to believe in him. To cling to that every day. To simply say, I, I said this, I, I got invited to pray at the convocation of Whitensville Christian School this year. Um, they didn't want me to say anything, but you know me. And I didn't say much, but that's what I said, because everyone's glorifying the first day of school, yay! And I said to the kids, I hated the first day of school, I didn't like school very much. So I said, I want you to remember, not just on this glorious first day, but on the hardest day, that Jesus is enough. He's enough. Believe. Cling. Hold on to that. And it's hard. It's hard. I know. Like, oh, you're a pastor. You're in church. You're supposed to say, listen, don't put me in that category. Ever. Like, I, man, I am a sinful man who needs the grace of God every single day. Just like you. I've been uh, wept in the middle of the night. I've been face first with the snot bubbles. It ain't pretty. Just me and God. I don't want anyone else there. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. And yet I pour. I've been there. All right? So I believe this with all my heart. So you can reject it. You can believe it. But please understand what I say I firmly believe. And you can too. Jesus is enough. But it's so hard. There's times in life where we're weary and it's so hard. That's why. And I'll just leave you with this last one. I love Mark chapter 9. I love this. This guy's my patron saint. Who is Peter? No. It's nameless father. You see, it starts in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 9 on the Mount Transfiguration where Jesus is showed in all of his glory. It's so amazing that Peter's like, let me build some shelters. We'll just stay here. You ever been at a retreat or something where you're like, I ain't going home? But you eventually had to go home and do laundry and cook and clean and go to work and fix your car and all the other stuff that life brings. You eventually had to. They came down the mountain. And what a mess. There's this father who had a son. Son all of his life seized up, would try to kill himself by throwing himself into fire, into water. And this father was weary and tired. Everything he tried didn't work. Even Jesus' own apostles who were not invited up to the mountain couldn't bring him healing. And so then Jesus comes, right? And, and this is what this guy says. He says to Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. 
<laughs> Jesus says to him, if you can. That's the key. If you can. <laughs> All things are possible for one who believes. Do you believe that? It's hard. That's why this guy's my patron saint. He's weary. He's scared. He's, bro- he's now been sort of chided even by Jesus a little bit. <laughs> Right, and so it, it, in in that right in in that beautiful uh, uh, the like just moment, it says immediately the father of the child cried out. It said, "I believe." You can if it was a movie, the chorus of angels would play. Here it is. He believes in the party in heaven and all that, and then he goes, "Help my unbelief," and the music stops. What? Which is it, man? Do you believe or not? Yes. Do you believe? Yes. Who feels that way? I know I do. It's, you just got to admit it. If you're walking around saying, I never doubt, you lying to yourself. You're human. Things hit. You do. So it's a beautiful, that's part of believing is saying, help my unbelief. I need to believe. I do, but then I don't. Help, Jesus, help. And he does. He does. So here's where we land, where we began. Believe today. Worry about tomorrow. What did Jesus say? Tomorrow's got cares of its own. That doesn't, he wasn't, didn't mean you don't plan or think about the things you got to do tomorrow. He meant don't worry about tomorrow. Today. Believe today. And we wake, wake up tomorrow. What should be your first prayer? After, thank you, Lord, for getting me out of bed today. I believe you, God. I don't see it, but I believe you. I believe who you are. I believe you're all-powerful. You're holy. You're good. I believe you're righteous. I believe you're love. I believe you, and I believe your promises. And I believe that whatever happens this day, good or bad or all in between, I will believe. And then tomorrow you wake up, what do you do? I believe you today. And out of that comes all kinds of glorious things that he will do. But it's got to start right then and there. Believe. That's the question. Can I believe God today? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those in Christ in this room. Many know you, Jesus. I thank you for the many amazing blessings that are present in this room. Let us have the prayer of David. It is is the Lord who did these things. It is you. We give you the glory for the amazing victories you've given in our life, the amazing blessings, the amazing healings, the amazing relationships. The, uh, just thank you, thank you, thank you. We praise your name. But God, there's so many sorrows here. You know each and every one, and you are the same God who cares. You're with us. That's amazing. No other religion has that. A God who's with us. Emmanuel. God with us. Remind us of that, Lord. Give us the strength through your spirit to believe you today, to believe your promises, to cling to faith in you, even when we don't see it, even when you close the womb, even when you, when you, when you don't heal the way we wanted you to. We believe you. Give us the strength to believe. Help our unbelief. And Lord, anyone who's never, just for that, just, just made that profession of faith. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe that you are the way, as we sang. You are the truth and you are the life. That you would open their eyes of faith right now as I pray. And they just say, Jesus, I believe. Start their journey. The journey of real life that you created for them. 
Help us, Lord, in all ways and in all times. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're able to, stand with me and let's worship.